This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, Journey Church. We're so glad that you've joined us this morning for our series called Seven, a study in the book of Revelation. Um, a number of months ago, when we were entering what seemed to be the 800th month of chaos in the world, I began to ask the Lord what way he would have us, what he would talk, have um, me teach about over the next, over these weeks. And um, I, to be honest, I wasn't really sure what to do. I had no sense of where I should go. And, you know, um, I, I take, this is not a task I take lightly because I believe that the words that he speaks to us corporately actually matter. And over and over again, through a number of different people and signs, I kept coming back with a strong sense that I was to walk us through the book of Revelation. Now, naturally, I thought to myself, this could not be the Lord. It actually has to just be weird pizza that I ate last night. Um, because as a young pastor and now as a squarely middle-aged pastor, uh, I was sure that I would never preach about Revelation. And I mean, really, could you blame me? Uh, Revelation is hard. There's so many technicalities in it, and there are so many different interpretations. And the, the last thing I needed was people leaving the church because I didn't side with Kirk Cameron in his deeply biblical uh, revelation exegesis. I, I say that a little bit sarcastically. Um, GK, G, and, I, and I also, I certainly didn't want to confuse people and add um, problems in an already problem-riddled world. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said this, Though St. John the Evangelist saw many strange monsters in his vision, he saw no creature so wild as one of his own commentators. And this could not be, uh, this could not be more true, this thing. There are so many different opinions and ideas about Revelation. But the more I thought and prayed, the more I realized that we must be committed as the people of God to be stirred by the word of God, all of it. We can't just say, well, I'm going to take 65 books of the Bible because Revelation's weird and I'm going to ignore it. Um, I can't just preach the parts that are easy for God so loved the world. I, I want to preach just those parts, believe me. But I, but I think the whole word of God is useful for our instruction and correction. And, and um, I think now than ever, now more than ever, we need our imagination stirred by the word of God, to believe that God is still God in these days and that Jesus is coming soon. So this series has been developed for those who are confused, afraid, or totally fixated on the book of Revelation. I want us to neither misinterpret it or totally ignore it. In the next number of weeks, we will not be doing a line-by-line commentary on the book of Revelation. That would take us uh, far too long. But rather, we're going to be looking at large swaths of the text and asking ourselves, what did God intend to say to us here? And what does this mean to us today? Remembering, while we're reading it, that John himself was a pastor. He was writing to churches just like ours. To be sure... I will not get it all right. A lifetime of reading and interpreting Revelation would not give a person enough perspective to get it all right. But maybe getting it all right is not the point. Maybe the point of Revelation is that we would be awakened to the wonder and majesty of Jesus and to the fact that God has everything in hand. 
so that we don't have to be afraid or even the tiniest bit concerned that he is not in control. And there are also people, uh, people who have written so well about all the obscurities and details of Revelation. And if you're interested in learning more about Revelation, I've listed a number of resources that have been a help to me as I wrote this series. And you can go to the resource section of our website where those books will be listed. But for now, let me just give you uh, a list of a few. Um, Discipleship on the Edge by Daryl Johnson has been an invaluable resource uh, to me. Daryl is a pastor in, Van- in the Vancouver area and a preeminent scholar and preacher. I would recommend that you read this book. Uh, Eugene Peterson, the same man that uh, paraphrased the, the, the Bible in the message version, also wrote a great book on Revelation called Reversed Thunder, and it's a beautiful book about the poetic nature of Revelation. Uh, Gordon Fee, a, a preeminent uh, Pentecostal scholar, wrote a great book on Revelation that I would recommend to you as well. And a number of other uh, authors that you can uh, search up if you're interested in learning more. So again, we're not going to get to every detail. I'm not going to get it all right. And this is the wonderful thing about learning uh, together in community. If you're watching this online, I want to encourage you not to just ingest these talks uh, by yourself, but maybe you could find two or three people that you could watch it with and that you could uh, grapple with the material after. I think this is exactly the point of Revelation, and um, the Lord will speak to us through that. So to begin our series, uh, in, in his book, Reverse Thunder, Eugene Peterson, I think, frames the book of Revelation well, and I think his statement will help us as we delve into this text. Here's what he said. I do not read the Revelation to get additional information about the life of faith in Christ. I have read it all before in the law and the prophet, in the gospel and the epistle. Everything in Revelation can be found in the previous 65 books of the Bible. The Revelation adds nothing of substance to what we already know. The truth of the gospel is already complete, revealed in Jesus Christ. There is nothing new to say on the subject, but there is a new way to say it. I read the Revelation not to get more information, but to revive my imagination. And that is what we're praying in this season, that as we study the book of Revelation over the next nine or ten weeks, that God would revive our imaginations to believe him for uh, greater things in these days. So let's get to the text. Revelation 1, verse 1 to 3 says this, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. So during this series, we're going to take time to read the passages we're studying out loud because this is what the text requires of us. There is something important that happens when we hear God's word out loud. It allows our imaginations to be formed. And Revelation actually is uh, really important to read it because it's, its poetry actually shapes our mind and imagination. And it ultimately uh, allows our lives to be transformed. Uh, Daryl Johnson says, we read Revelation as a word from a prophet pastor, ultimately from God, 
in order to be formed and transformed, not merely to be informed. And I want us to keep that right in the center of our thinking as we're studying Revelation, that we read it to be uh, transformed by God's word, not just informed. Sometimes we have come to books like Revelation to like hear little tidbits of scintillating, scintillating things that are to come. But actually, Revelation is a book that wants to transform us. So before we get to the wild things, and wild things there are coming, uh, we've got to lay the foundation. We've got to lay the background information. And uh, we want to look at the purpose and the genre of Revelation. This is really important. By the way, this is a, just a good practice whenever you're reading your Bible, that you would figure out what what genre has been written and to whom it was written and the purpose and background. If you don't understand the purpose and background and genre, you could find yourself getting into real problems. For instance, let me just give you an example of this. Um, there are there are some people, I, I was just talking to one of our staff who told me 23,000 to be exact. There are 23,000 people in the world who believe that the earth, earth is flat. They're called flat earthers. You might have heard of them before. Well, a subsection of flat earthers came to this conclusion because they read Psalm 104, verse 5, which says, He set the earth on its foundations. It cannot be moved. So they read Psalm 104.5 and they read it literally and they say, well, a sphere could not be on a foundation. So therefore, the earth is flat. And there's a number of different verses like that. Now, the majority of the world reads Psalm 104.5 and says it's poetry. I mean, roses are red, violets are blue. Are violets really blue? No, there's some shade of purple. But but for the sake of poetry, we say, yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, It's really important that we come to the book of Revelation understanding the genre because otherwise we are in danger of running everything askew uh, because we're reading Revelation like we might read uh, a a regular letter. So let's look at the background a little bit. Uh, Though traditionally uh, Revelation, the Revelation has been called the Revelation of John, it actually begins with these words that we read a moment ago, the Revelation of Jesus Christ. And this is really important as we keep, uh, as we start to get focused on this book. Literally, the title, if you're going to transliterate it, is the Apocalypse. Um, Because our culture has co-opted this word to mean doom and gloom, right? Apocalypse, like if you say it, the world seemed like apocalyptic in nature. Well, that, that's like an end of the world kind of like awful movie. But actually, um, it doesn't really mean anything of the sort. Um, and it wouldn't have meant anything like that to the original listeners. Apocalypse simply means unveiling or opening up or breaking through. So in other words, this book is about the unveiling or opening up or the breakthrough of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, if this is all you learn today, this changes everything about how we think about the book of Revelation. Uh, Most historians believe that Revelation was written around between AD 92 and AD 96. Domitian was the emperor, and he was a profoundly insecure man. And to compensate for his insecurity, he ordered all the citizens and subjects of the Roman Empire to worship him. Okay, I I don't know really, uh, historians will say that he was insecure. I mean, certainly he was, but he also was an egomaniac. He changed the, like, um, the saying of the Roman Empire to be Dominus Edus, and that basically was like Domitian was God. Um, He changed the name of the Roman Empire to the Eternal Empire, and he called himself the Everlasting King. Uh, All citizens and subjects were to go to the temple that was built in his honor and take a pinch of salt and throw it into the fire and say, Caesar is Lord, Domitian is Lord. 
And for most people, this was no big deal. Um, the Roman Empire at that time was living with a plethora of gods, and what's one more add to it, even if you didn't believe it? But for John, this really was a big deal. For John, there was only one Lord, and he was Jesus. And in his old age, John refused. And he's termed a troublemaker, reckoning the unity of the state. And John was arrested and banished to the island of Patmos. Uh, at this time, Domitian had killed about 40,000 Christians. Um, this was, uh, Christians were being persecuted. And scholars have asked, well, why didn't he kill John? Why exile him to Patmos? And partly it's because John was well known. And they knew that if they killed him, they would make a martyr of him, which would cause Christianity to go even further. So they banished him. And they maintained these rock quarries on Patmos that were for criminals. And it was on this island that John had a revelation of Jesus. And he sent this letter back to the churches who were ostensibly going through a difficult time. Now, he sent this letter to them. This is really important for us to know in order to encourage them and wake them up from their apathy. So John writes this letter uh, to the churches who are facing major persecution And um, he's trying to wake them up to remind them that what you're seeing now, all this persecution, all this um, hardship, it's not all that's going on here. And he does this in wildly colorful language that is meant to basically be smelling salts for a church that is prone to apathy. And it helps us to see everything differently. He writes to comfort the churches and to remind them that Jesus is still in control. Uh, Let me explain it to you this way. I mean... If I were to tell you about how much I love my husband, Dave, I mean, I could just tell it to you. I could make an infographic, and you know I would love to make an infographic of that with charts. But it wouldn't really convey the passion that I would want to convey that in. But instead, if I were to compose a poem with vivid imagery and beautiful metaphors, it would help convey the passion and love that I feel in my heart. The basic content would not change, just the way it was conveyed. And truth conveyed in imagery transforms our vision more powerfully than truth conveyed in propositional language. That is not to say that we don't need propositional language. We absolutely do. But the Bible consists of many books, about 60 of them, that just have plain propositional language. Revelation has this colorful, vivid language um, because imagery goes beyond intellect, through emotions, and into the imagination. Imagery can bring us hope in a way that almost nothing else can. Uh, George Beasley Murray, who is a theologian, said that revelation is kind of like the modern political cartoon. It says more in its imagery than it could in hundreds and hundreds of words of uh, prose. And at its core, John writes the revelation to challenge the churches with one question. Whom will you worship? The last book of the Bible calls us to radical discipleship in a world that is fanatically, fanatically worshiping the world and all of its ideologies. And in this moment, we are called to courageous surrender. I, I want to say that this is what John was writing to the first churches, but this is why Revelation so importantly uh, dovetails with our world right now. Joe Johnson said this. He said, Revelation is not a crystal ball revealing esoteric secrets that enable one to escape the harsh realities of life on earth. But it's a down-to-earth manual on how to be a disciple of Jesus facing, facing the harsh realities of life on earth. In particular, how do we do this the way Jesus did and does? 
So I am sorry to be the bearer of bad news. If some of you came for real, like, tidbits into how Revelation fits into our current events, I actually believe Revelation does fit into our current events in so much as the church still needs to be woken up. And we as Christians who are so prone to apathy need to remember that there is more than is going, that is going on that meets the eye. Your discipleship and my discipleship can be shaped immensely by the book of Revelation. Okay, so the book of Revelation, here's the genre. The genre of the book of Revelation is really important. It's apocalyptic literature. It's a, and it, it, apocalyptic literature flourished during the 400 year period between 200 BCE and 200 AD. So right in the time of Jesus and after his death, part of the reason for this is that apocalyptic literature was born during the time of powerful world empires and was often, um, when, when Jewish, the Jewish community was often being persecuted. The writers of apocalyptic literature wrote with symbols and signs and kind of unique and all kinds of unique features. Uh, and this, uh, most historians believe that John would have written his a revelation like this because it would have had to, to get to the churches, it would have had to go through many censors and uh, writing in an apocalyptic way would have gotten it through to the churches. Let me just give you a few um, examples. I, again, I'm indebted to many scholars uh, for this um, for this talk. Uh, Daryl Johnson particularly helped me in this section. Uh, in apocalyptic literature, people are often represented in the likeness of animals, thus the lamb and his beasts, it's not actually talking about a literal lamb or literal beasts. When we get to the mark of the beast, we can see that that's, it's uh, talking about people. Historical events are represented in the form of natural phenomenon, so earthquakes and floods. Colors and numbers have meanings, and in a minute we're going to get to those. Um, but most importantly, apocalyptic literature seeks to show people that there is more to life than what we could see. The spiritual realm is very much alive. Um, but John's writing wasn't just apocalyptic. It was also prophetic and pastoral. Often when we think of prophetic as it relates to Revelation, we think about it um, futuristic things. And to be sure, Revelation is about the future and about the end of things. Uh, Revelation 22.6 says it was written to show that things must shortly take place. But his writing is prophetic in the sense that he speaks the words of God to the people of God. We've talked about this a lot, that speaking a word of prophecy is not uh, fortune-telling. It's actually speaking what we hear God saying and declaring that outwards. And that outward declaration causes us to do something about it, and this is what John is doing. And finally, when you're studying the book of Revelation, you can't overlook the fact that John is writing as a pastor to a group of churches. This was not just a wild book meant to cause speculation and division, which it predominantly has in the in the last number of years. It was a book that was meant to bring instruction, encouragement, and comfort. And as we're reading it together, I, I want you to think about uh, how it would have been for you as some of the first hearers of this. How would this have brought comfort, encouragement? It was meant to deepen the early church's discipleship. Okay, um, on your screen or uh, as a link, you're going to see a, um, a table of symbolic colors and numbers in Revelation. These are really important, and I would encourage you in your uh, spare time to just take some time to look at those. As we study through the book of Revelation, this is going to be really, really important because nothing in Revelation um, should be read literally. It, 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 there is, um, it, it's all meant symbolically, and you can see in that little chart 
um, what all the symbols mean. We also need to remember that um, while Revelation is literal, it's not linear. It's not written in a linear fashion. Apocalyptic literature generally is not. Um, So by a linear uh, representation, it doesn't go like this. What happens first in Revelation 1, then the next thing to happen is Revelation 2, uh, Revelation 3. It's not written like that. Uh, They are presented, uh, the events are not depicted in the order they happen historically. They are presented in the order John saw them. So we shouldn't be asking the question, what happens next? But instead, we should be saying, what did God show John next? And that makes a really big difference. There are clear examples of this, but maybe the easiest one to describe is in Revelation chapter 12. Um, and we're going to get to that, where the Christmas story is retold in the way of apocalyptic literature. And this is important because if you've read it like most 21st century books, you can see that you'd get into an interpretation nightmare. Uh, we need, to, I, I need you as we're going through this to remember that God, that John is stirring our imaginations towards the very real reality that Jesus is coming. And, um, there are some overarching themes in the book of Revelation. The first theme is this, Jesus. <laughs> Next week, we're going to talk about, uh, the cosmic vision of Jesus that John had. And I am believing that many of us are going to get a new revelation of Jesus, that God is going to wake us up. This is the call of revelation that we would be able to see that Jesus changed everything about history. The second thing is that we we learn about the supreme nature of God. We're going to learn that God is in charge of everything, and it doesn't matter what virus hits us, what earthquake, what evil comes. God is in control, and this allows us to rest in peace. We also learn that the cosmic, we are fighting from a position of victory. The cosmic battle has already been won. Revelation 21, 19 to 21 shares with us that, that God is on the throne. He has already won. Jesus has sat down, and um, where we are fighting right now is knowing that we're going to win, similar to when you watch your favorite team, you knew they already won the Super Bowl or you knew they already won the championship and now you're watching the game, it takes the pressure off. The other thing we learn is that Jesus is coming again. Revelation makes very clear that Jesus is currently in the process of coming. Jesus is not sitting on a throne passively anticipating some future date when his father says that he can get up and move towards us. He is moving now. He is coming now, the book of Revelation tells us. The time is near. And after um, after Jesus' death and resurrection, since that time, we have been living in the final days. We are always in the twilight shir- shortly before the sunrise. And this is why Jesus calls himself the bright and morning star. I want you to remember that some of you are in a place of deep despair. You feel like you cannot go on. I want you to remember that Jesus calls himself the bright and morning star. The morning star is the only star that appears right when the night has reached its greatest darkness. And although it is still dark and will be for some hours yet, when you see the morning star, you know that the night has ended. The daylight is coming. We believe that Jesus is coming again. The book of Revelation gets us ready, gets us off of our, so to speak, couch, and gets us into the playing field. Revelation ultimately gives hope for the oppressed. The people that John was first writing to were under supreme oppression. 
I mean, we have had a taste of that over the last couple of years, but nothing, nothing like they were experiencing. John penned this letter knowing that this would bring hope, knowing that as they read it, they would remember that Jesus is the conquering king. And maybe you're here and you're feeling oppressed. Maybe you're watching and you feel like you barely have strength to go on. The book of Revelation is going to speak to you over these next weeks. And finally, it, it, the last theme it reaches on is that it, it's a wake-up call to the church. John spends an inordinate amount of time in the first number of chapters reminding the church that they must be faithful to Jesus, reminding the people of God that they were part of something bigger than just themselves. And I believe that this wake-up call continues to us today. It's interesting, I really had a lot of thinking, you know, um, by the time John had written this book, the church had only really been in existence for a, a number of decades, 30 or 40. And yet at that time, the church, even though many people had seen Jesus, walked with them, seen his miracles, they were already apathetic. If the church of Revelation, the first century church, needed a wake-up call, certainly we do in the 21st century. So here's, here's the so what. Here's what I'm asking you to do over the next couple of weeks. Questions I'm asking you to ask yourself. First one is, what if God wants to speak to you through his word? Some of you have, have ignored Revelation for all of the years that you've known Jesus. Some of you never read the book of Revelation at all. But what if you could commit to studying Revelation these next 10 weeks and allow God to change you? What if he could speak to you through this? I want to challenge you in these next days to, to be reading Revelation and following it with us. Um, and the other thing I, I'm asking us to ask the Lord, what would God say personally to, personally to us, but then also to us as a community? It's important to understand that the book of Revelation was written to communities of people, not just to individuals. And we're, um, Revelation has a lot to say to the church, and we're going to talk about that. But just even in these moments, maybe we could ask the Lord, what is he saying to us as a community? Perhaps maybe some of us are here and we need a wake-up call. Revelation 1 verse 3 uh, reminds us that our, perhaps our imaginations need to be stirred to the things of God. That God would wake us out of our apathy. You know, and partly, we're going we're gonna to read this Revelation, that we're going to study and read the book of Revelation because of Revelation 1 verse 3 that says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of these prof- this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it, and to take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. My prayer for us is that a community and that as individuals, that we would be blessed, that we'd be blessed in everything that we would do. I'm praying that as you um, begin to read Revelation and study study it with us together, that God would bless you. Can I just, I, I want to just take some moments to just pray for you today. Maybe you're here, maybe you're watching and you've never, um, you've never experienced God in a real and personal way. I believe that, that God wants to experience, he wants you to experience him. All that you can see is not all that's going on. The book of Revelation tells us that. And maybe this is the first time that you need to say, God, would you give me an apocalyptic moment? Would you unveil my eyes so that I could see uh, you for who you are? Maybe you've had a revelation, you've had a, you've had a revelation of God, but you've really been walking sort of asleep. I want to call you to wake up in these days. 
And I am praying that God would wake you up, that we would all be woken up. We'd be woken up out of our apathy, that we would be woken up out of the dragging of our heels and that that the book of Revelation would become smelling salts to us. So Jesus, I pray for every person who's watching right now, for every person who feels discouraged, for every person who feels um, just like they cannot go on. I pray that the words in your book, your revelation, the revelation of Jesus, God would give us hope, would encourage us, And God, I pray that you would wake us up because you are coming again, Jesus. May we put our hand in yours, knowing that you have already won the battle. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.